Sure, and this Major Spoilers podcast is brought to you with the help of Seamus Dory, a lovely lad, a leprechaun, I do believe. His name makes me talk like this for no reason at all. This one goes out to you, son. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Stephen's a mystery, Matthew's a wonder, Rodrigo is in hell. So it's actually kind of our normal week. Plus, nobody expects the temporal repetition. Our chief weapon is fear. Fear, surprise, the growing man, and about a million space phantom. Oh, damn, we'll come in again. And um, Matthew's run out of references, so this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Had this been an actual emergency, we'd all be running screaming into the night. Your mileage, as always, may vary. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another issue of the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad to have you here with us this week. A lot of stuff to get forward to, including some time-tripping Time space traveling adventures with the somebody was tripping. Anyway. Yes, with the Avengers Forever. We'll have that later in the podcast. But first, let's talk about news. Uh, three stories that we've culled from Majorspoilers.com. We'll spin the wheel of destiny and see which one we talk about. This week we have is Krona in the new Green Lantern movie. Star Wars gets a porn parody, or Batman wets himself. Around and round and around it goes. Stopping on Batman wets Ooh, himself. That's close. That was almost a two. Yeah, it was. Which, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, it what hurt. do we have here? We've got the widening gyre. I think Batman wets himself should have been number one. <laughs> yeah. So, widening gyre number six came out last week, and it cracked the internet in half. You've got one half of the people saying this is the worst most offensive thing that Kevin Smith could have ever done. Mm-hmm. The other half going, hey, you know what? It's pretty good. It's Kevin Smith. I like it. Eh, let's move on. So it all boiled down to not the fact that uh, Silver St. Cloud gets her throat slit or possibly some bad Latin that was spoken in the uh, in the issue, but the fact that uh, Smith went back and referenced a uh, an event from Frank Miller's year one, Batman year one story, where he busts in on the... Uh, on uh, the people explodes a wall and then essentially tells them that uh, their time is up and it's a very spooky and spectacular moment in the book. And uh, Batman is recounting this to one of the other characters and he said, hey, when I uh, when I did this, I wasn't a, didn't really know what was going on or how much uh, explosion material to put in there. And he said, and when I felt the size of the explosion and the sudden blast of searing heat, well, I had a bladder spasm. And the other character is like, no way. You're saying you wet yourself? And that is what has caused people to go all up in arms. Does Batman pee himself? Yes. Why? Well, every single Batman fan who tries to talk to me about why he's awesome starts with, because he's human. If you have a character and you're whole, this is a human character, then how is this humanization, this moment where something purely physical happens to him, any different than saying it's awesome and he kept this ring in case Superman ever punched him in the face? 
This is an extension. Granted, it's a ridiculous Kevin Smith extension, but it's an extension of what everybody says they love about the Batman mythos, the character's humanity, the fact that he's not a soup, he's not invulnerable. That explosion scared him. So on a scale of one to ten, Batman, you're an eight. Rodrigo? Um, I don't know that. Uh, how much we'll say how much water that argument holds um, <laughs> because sure uh, Batman is human and this is a, a good humanizing moment but it seems to me to be out of character um, I you know it was a good humanizing moment I just said it's a humanizing moment yeah but I mean you, I, I still think it's you know quote unquote because who cares it's it's uh, a comic book right right yeah um, it's, it's Batman comic it's, book. It's wrong. It's it's something that is out of character. It's it seems to me out of character for Batman to say pyro gag, right? It seems out of character for Batman to ever. Let, let's say that Batman did pee his pants. Let's say that every night Batman goes out. The first time he sees a thief, he pees his pants every night. Right. It seems out of character to me for him to tell anyone. Right. Because he's Batman. Right. And because the whole point of Batman is that he talks like this and he strikes well, fear in the hearts yeah, of criminals. Yeah, he strikes fear in the hearts of criminals. So if you go and you tell somebody, anybody, that, hey, man, I, uh, Rodrigo, you know, last week when we were doing that show and I kind of had that uncomfortable look on my face, mm. I shat myself. Right. Then all of a sudden, Rodrigo would lose all respect for mm. that person. So likewise, the way I see it is, on the one hand, yes, Matthew, it can happen in this, in this incident. Uh, but I don't think that Batman would tell anybody because in that sense, it gives them, it, it makes them see that Batman is human and that Batman does have flaws. And if Batman must have flaws, then he must have a weakness. Therefore, if I ever have to defeat Batman, I could defeat Batman. Right. Now, on the plus side, on, on kind of going with Matthew's argument, I could see Batman wearing uh, a diaper, uh, you mm. know, in a sense. I mean, astronauts wear diapers. And they have to relieve themselves when they're up in outer space in their spacesuit because they can't quickly and easily get to the bathroom. And even then, it's this weird, complicated thing that you got to. Right. Um, but I could see Batman doing the, the long night haul, protecting Gotham. Mm-hmm. He may not have time to go and use the facilities. Right. So maybe he just has a, one of those absorbing pads in his. He has a bat diaper. Bat diaper to absorb that if, in case he has to go. Mm-hmm. But still, I don't think I'd be telling anyone. Right. Man, Batman, your ass is looking mighty puffy today. <sighs> it's because I got my bat diaper on. Yeah. That just, uh, that kind of doesn't make Batman that. It, you're right, Matthew. It does make him human, but it does, it also makes him less intimidating. Well, and if you all say, I know, if you, then all I have to do is go, ah, and Batman go, whoa. There, well, this is the question. You know, if you say, is, is it all right for Batman to wear a diaper? Well, depends. But uh, it's also something that a, have to take into account that Kevin Smith writing a bat comic is what I like to refer to as stunt casting. Right. This is not Kevin Smith writing the main Batman title. This is Kevin Smith writing a Kevin Smith Batman. This right. might as well be an Elseworlds. It might be a dream of hoax and imaginary story. Because if you read previous things that Kevin Smith has written, um, I believe it was cacophony on, yeah, cacophony. Onomatopoeia breaks the Joker out of jail, and the Joker starts taking off his pants. He's like, okay, just nothing, not in the mouth. Right. The, jo- the Joker is making jokes about anal sex. Right. And, you know, we've got this whole, it's a Kevin Smith vibe. So 
a Kevin Smith Batman might, for all intents and purposes, be the same as, you know, saying in Mallrats, Silent Bob was, for all intents and purposes, Batman. That doesn't have any more, you know, bearing on our general Grant Morrison lunacy than this. So personal continuity comes into play. If you have a comic book that you don't like, you can say that didn't happen for me. Then eventually you'll go work for Marvel or DC and you'll just bring, you know, peeing Batman back from the dead, regardless of whether Wally West is better in the role. I mean, never mind. Oh, and, and, and really that's important. That, that aspect of personal continuity is a big right. one. And yeah, but personally, I, I refuse to read any more Sam Keith Batman stories. Well, and I think and, the stories are terrible. I think the art is terrible. So if there's something important that happens in there, don't know about it. And, and and honestly, for me, whenever they say this big writer is now on this book, like non-comic book writer, obviously, you know, right. like Mark Way or Grant Morrison or whatever, right. that's not the same. But, um, you know, Kevin Smith, Smith, Joss Whedon, I don't know, whoever else, mm-hmm. um, for me, that's almost reason enough not to pick up the book. Really? Yeah. Even if it was Joss Whedon writing Runaways or writing Avengers or... Joss Whedon like wrote One Race. Well, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> oh yeah, that's specifically why. Okay. Um, because I, it's just a lot of the time it's the writer. It's the same thing that other writers do, mm-hmm. except it's much. It has much more backup because they're already famous, right? You know, when a writer is like, "Oh, you know what I'm gonna do with Batman? I'm gonna make him pretty much a rapist." Yeah. Then. People are like, oh no no no, that's no good. We're gonna get rid of it. But if a famous person does that, then they're then people yeah. are like, well, I guess Batman is a rapist. Now that you mention it, <laughs> yeah. If J.T. Cruel or you know Tom Pyre had gone to DC editorial and said, I'm gonna write this story where Batman pees his pants, they would have been highly pissed. No pun intended. Ah. Um, and I got more of these, by the way. But oh, Kevin sure Smith. Did. Kevin Smith going in and saying, I'm going to write this story where Batman pees himself and it's part of the general tone and humor of the book. People are like, okay, well, you're Kevin Smith. You know, people are going to buy this book because a certain segment of people are going to buy this book because it's Kevin Smith. Mm -hmm. A certain segment of people are going to buy the book because it's Batman. And I think that whether this scene works for you has as much to do with whether you're a Kevin Smith fan or a Batman fan, as it does whether the scene is in continuity or simply in continence. And when you look at it, really, this is, I mean, this is not a high profile series. This is not like, you know, Final Crisis. It's something that happened. Sure, if I were a Batman fan, I'd be unhappy. I don't think I would like it if it were written as, you know, Spider Man or anyone else, but. It, it's Kevin Smith. We're lucky we didn't have double anal in the middle of it, quite frankly. You know, Kevin Smith has done worse things. He had a movie that was for mostly general audiences where part of the discussion was whether it's okay to remove certain portions of your genitalia from one orifice and put them directly in another. And this was a, you know, a a point of conversation for like five minutes. And if I think if you go in with that artist and that writer or a particular writer's proclivities, and this happens, it's not, you know, Batman is being completely destroyed. It's, okay, well, it's a Kevin Smith Batman story. Let's move on and read something you like. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can see that. I mean, I was trying to look and see. I guess I don't have... This must be an every-other-month book, because I was just looking last month uh, to Widening, see. Widening Gyre, actually, I think, has been really, really late. 
Yeah, I was just looking last I think month it's to been see coming where out like it, uh, Well, I was trying to look and see where it fell in the top 300 list, and I didn't see it in June, so let me jump back I want to say the last month we saw it was either March or April. Uh, I don't see it in May either, so let me go back one more. Well, you know, I guess for me, it really doesn't... It, I I guess it, if you're going to say, hey, here's Batman, and he wets himself because the shockwave caused a bladder spasm, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Batman just doesn't tell anybody that stuff. Mm-hmm. Batman keeps his innermost feelings about the loss of Jason Todd and his greatest failure to himself. He doesn't share the fact to anyone that Superman is his best fin- friend in the world, and yet here's this new guy on the scene. Oh, yeah, the first time I went out as Batman, I wet myself. You know, that just <laughs> that doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't work quite right for me. Yeah. I've been trying to work out a joke with Faz Deference, and I just can't do it. Okay. So we're just going to move on. Yes, moving on. There you go, people. There's a lot of stories up on Majorspoilers.com. We want you to head over there. Check them out. Feel free to comment. We've got a great comment section. We also have a great forum section that you can check out. You may notice that the uh, top menu just changed slightly to uh, better accommodate your needs on the Major Spoilers site. And No, change is out, bad. Yeah. While you're checking out things on Major Spoilers, might I point out two things that might catch your interest? The first one is uh, very well-timed, Rodrigo, mm-hmm. your, your origin of the schmuck or your schmuck story. Mm-hmm. Timed perfectly with the Dinner with Schmucks release, Did uh, it? movie release. Came out the same weekend. Wow. Perfect. Perfect. Good job. If you want to know what a schmuck is, uh, if you want to read about schmucks and the schmuckification, I think someone asked you to, <laughs> Rodrigo, say that word on the show. Oh, uh, the schmuckification of yes. the sitcom character? Yes. Uh, go over and check that out. Look under our columns called editorials. <laughs> and then if you want to find out uh, a little bit about characters who Matthew thinks need to be more popular, you can check out his top ten characters in search of popularity. Over there at the Majorspoilers.com. Major spoilers. You know, every week we are pleased to dedicate a show to one listener out there. A listener who wants to be part of the Major Spoilers experience and contribute in some way. And that person does it by making a donation to the show. A simple donation of $10 or more. Clicking on that Make a Donation button over at the Majorspoilers.com website. Sending in their money. They get their name read. Top of the show. We're so thankful for everyone who does that for us. It helps us keep things going. Got a huge bill the other day. I don't want to talk about it. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for, uh, for contributing. We really, 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 really appreciate that. All right, now that the, all of that is out of the way, let's talk about some reviews. Let's talk about more comics. I think the tape got eaten. Perhaps. So this week we have Ultimate Mystery Number 1 from Marvel Comics. We have Nancy in Hell from Image Comics. And we have Wonder Woman 601 from DC Comics. <laughs> Three different companies, three different okay. titles. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see who goes. One, two, three, shoot. Two number ones and a, a 601, which is kind of a one story since it's mm-hmm. the start of an issue. Technically, it's the 607th issue, but that's neither here nor there. So uh, this week in uh, Ultimate Comics Mystery, number one. You know, I don't understand why Marvel decided to go Ultimate Comics and then whatever the, you know, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then they do that for one month, and then every subsequent month, it's just Ultimate Spider-Man on the cover. No mention of Ultimate Comics anywhere. Really? Same way with Ultimate Mystery. Yeah, it's a, I think it's one of those things that they've quietly swept under the, uh, interesting under the rug, hoping no one would uh, 
check it out. So leading up to Ultimate Mystery Number 1, written by Brian Michael Bendis, um, was Ultimate Enemy. And at the end of Ultimate Enemy, a big enemy was revealed to be Ben Grimm, uh, going all crazy wild. There was an alien involved. Um, ben, Grimm, ben Grimm kind of exploded and killed Reed Richards in the Ultimate Universe. So although we had Ultimatum and 90% of the mutants and everybody died in that, mm-hmm. we're still killing Ultimate Marvel uh, characters. So this issue, we get introduced to Captain Marvel in a very ultimate form, which I kind of like the form, actually. It's kind of almost I a little ultimate, bit... I think Ultimate Captain Marvel has appeared before. Has he? Because I, I, I... He I was part of the Galactus storyline. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, but I kind of like the, the design on this. It's kind of a little bit uh, OMAC, kind of a little bit Silver Centurion. Kind yeah, it's, of very, a, it's very um, Cree. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very much uh, falling into that. Uh, and he's been assigned to the Pegasus Project to protect all of these... Uh, powered artifacts. So when you're walking through this uh, this shield uh, facility, you're seeing the uh, what is that? The cosmic cube. You're seeing Thor's hammer. You're seeing uh, Metron's helmet. You're seeing you know all these fantastical items. And Captain Marvel is just like, whoa, what is this? Ooh, what is this? Oh, what is this? And then suddenly the place is attacked, and um, we find out that at the end of the issue that it's actually um, Ultimate uh, Rick Jones who's traveled back in time Mm. to bring a dire warning about destruction. Destruction. Which I think, I I don't know if it was intentional or not that we have Rick Jones appearing in this book and also being a central figure in uh, the book that we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also for Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man really doesn't do much. He swings around trying to find an answer to something and bumps into his cloned female counterpart Spider-Woman right. and they have a weird conversation and then we get back to the uh, the Fantastic Four now apparently Reed Richards is dead I actually haven't had a chance to read the fourth issue of uh, Ultimate, Ultimate Enemy, Enemy. but uh, in this big fighty fighty explosion thing that happened to Ben Grimm he's back to being human hmm. except that he can glow and turn into an indestructible purple man interesting which is interesting because I do believe it's uh been said that he's had a kind of a thing for Sue Storm, mm-hmm. and maybe now he can have a reason to play off on that. Overall, you know, I don't know. I'm I. It's too bad about Ultimatum. I'm going to be one of those guys, just like Legends of the Dark Knight. They never should have destroyed the Ultimate Universe. Uh, I really kind of like things better before mm-hmm. Ultimatum. This is, I think, one of those necessary things that came out of of uh, of that. And I guess there's one more in, uh, four chapter installment. Uh, in this trilogy of ultimate whatevers, I forget I forget what the third arc is supposed to be called, but ultimate mystery. It's okay. I think it's interesting in the fact that they're trying to make a bigger um, universe-spanning story in this. Uh, but bottom line for me is, I think it's really only about a a three out of five, two and a half slices of of meatloaf out of five for me. The art's good. I mean, the writing is always Brian Michael Bendis as he does the ultimate universe, but. Ultimately, not that that interesting, I guess. Hmm. Maybe for some of you it is. That's it. Marvel, last week. Rodrigo, Hello. you've got a brand new book coming out this week. That's right. Crotch Panties in Hell, right? Pretty much. Nancy in Hell from Image Comics. Nancy in Hell. What in the heck is this book about? Okay, so this book is about a, a chick named Nancy who I guess gets murdered um, or so, I mean, she gets murdered right? and ends up in hell. Right. Because she's a bad girl. 
probably. Um, actually, she might not actually be a bad girl. Um, they they talk about that. I mean, she was murdered, and they don't tell like, us why or anything like that. No. Hmm. Um, so basically, it, the the thing starts, and she's at a bar doing shots and talking about what's happened to her. Um, and then we have a flashback about what's happened to her. She wakes up drowning in a pool of blood, like f- essentially having the same experience that killed her, um, which later on they talk about it being how pretty much everybody ends up in hell. Um, so then she's running across hell and hell is horrible. It's like made of bones and death and all the things bones. that you've heard that hell is made of. Yep. And then the sexy demons show up. Sexy demons? Yes. Um, there are red girls wearing, um, like, bikinis and have chains on them. And they have horns and they have wings. And they basically jump on her and uh, they try to rape her. Um, Wait, why? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to... So, they're doing that and... You hear blam, 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 and then some nomads show up, and they're like, oh, this person is not one of the mindless, and she is not a demon. She is a person. Yay. Let's take her back to our crappy bar. So then they go back to the crappy bar, and he's like, and that's where the story starts. In hell. This is all in hell. This is all in hell. Okay. Um, Which is weird, because I don't see the reason why... You would on the first page start a story and one page late and have a one page flashback. Yeah. Why don't not just like flip those two pages over? I guess they needed an extra page. Okay. Um But so they end up back at the bar and she's hanging out. The person she's selling this to is a guy named Philosopher, who is all covered up and he's talking about like hell and maybe it's not hell really because you can do whatever you want as long as you can you know defend yourself and blah 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 it's somewhat interesting conversation and they're like but slowly all your memories go away and when all of your memories go away you turn into one of the mindless and the mindless try to eat the people who aren't mindless you know right they're zombies right so there are zombies outside clawing at the doors at all times but that's okay because they can't get into the bar then these two hot chicks show up and they're like hey how about the four of us go do a sex um <laughs> that's and, what they said no <laughs> but that's pretty much we are going to making sex with you <laughs> pretty much and she's like no leave me alone and they're like okay we will just b- do a sex over here by ourselves <laughs> and they're they just go over there and you know the last panel on that page is you looking at another girl getting very close to another girl's butt um then somebody runs in and is like oh my god it's the hounds and then you know there's fighting what exactly i'm not really sure what they're going for here um the art is fine for you know especially when you look at the bar it's very detailed like they they have this yeah. wide shot of the bar in which a lot of drinking and sexy dancing is going on and some puking and stuff um yeah it looks very this good is- it's 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 really well drawn the color is great it's not like that super hyper produced color it's muted it makes sense for what it is the character design is kind of cool but Again, it's like uh, sexy things happen for no reason, and 
within the context, they're very unsettling and not at all sexy. That's. I guess I'm looking through the issue, too, and I'm just like, wow, I just... Wow. Yeah. Well, and this artist actually did Black Summer and No Hero for Avatar a couple of years ago, and there is nothing sexy about his designs and his work to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little stunned that he's doing the sexy, sexy thing. And... Uh... And again, you know, you look at that page where the two sexy devil girls show up. Pretty straightforward sexy devil girls. They look good. Oh, you're talking about the rape scene? Yeah, right before it, essentially. This part. And then they jump her, and, you know, it's not even like, like, if you want it to be, like, this kind of sexy thing, then maybe they should, like, lure her. Right, Or, you know, something like that. But this is like rape, But, yeah, Yeah. they jump her. They basically just jump her and start molesting her. Um, there's a lot of crotch shots, and then they get oh yes. In fact, it starts out with a crotch shot. There's a there's a table in the way, but she the, yeah. Well, the, the cover, character the cover is a crotch shot. Yep. Let's see how many crotch shots we got. Page one is a crotch shot with the table leg in the way. Uh, and that's two. not. I mean, are you counting each individual panel? No, no, no. Not there's each five. There's five. Okay, so there's six. Uh, page three, nothing. Full page four. One, two, three. Uh, then we get on to a couple more pages, and then we get a nice uh, G-string butt shot with another girl about to do something, mm-hmm. and then uh, all heck breaks loose. So, yeah, man, a lot of crotch shots in this. So if you're into that... So if you're into that, then I suppose you can white out all the word balloons in which they're actually talking about things <laughs> that make oh, there's that... there's talking in here? Actually, there's a fair amount of talking, and it's kind of interesting. You know, I mean, there's we've I, seen I do like the, in the, comics, we've seen lots yeah. of different treatments of hell. Right. This I know we've seen before, if not in comics, I know that I have. Um, it's kind of a little bit matrixy, you know, that kind of residual image of yourself, kind right? Of thing. Right, right. You know, can you escape hell? Do you essentially prevent yourself from escaping hell? It's interesting. Um. So I wonder then, do you get the feeling that this whole series is just about Nancy and hell, or do you have a feeling that ultimately she's going to lose her mind to become a mindless, or is she going to escape from hell? I doubt it. What what I, I, I honestly don't know where the series is going, which is actually the last thing that's actually holding my interest for this. Okay. Um, <laughs> because they might do something interesting with it, just because we pause for three pages to talk about the nature of hell right. was a, a total info dump, but a little bit interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that will come into play. Maybe Nancy will be able to manipulate her own mind and thus hell and blah, blah, blah. Or maybe it will continue to be just shooting people and then girls having sex, usually with each other. That's Not a- that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, except in this book where it's weird <laughs> and off-putting. No, I'm wondering if we we actually got the full issue from Image because there's. I don't like, think we did. I only saw ten pages. Yeah, that's a little odd. So maybe, who knows? Maybe the ten pages after this, they were like, you know what? We this comic's been a little weird. Let's just you know slow it down for a bit and talk a little bit about something else, and we'll just have a journey and actually introduce characters. But probably not. I bet the rest of this issue is just bang, 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 boom, boom, boom. You know, like in this panel. Yes. Punk, punk, crack, crack, bang, bang, punk, bang. 
Why would they do that? Why would Image Comics say, here's, an, here's a comic for you to review, and then only send us half the review? I don't know. Image, come on. So, nine pages, ten pages that you reviewed. That's right. Rodrigo, um, please give us some kind of a meatloaf rating. I will that give... That doesn't involve crotch shots or molestations. I will give Nancy and Hell number one, or at least the first ten pages of it. I'll give it... One and a half slices of meatloaf. Really? Wow. And that's Being almost generous. purely for that shot of the bar, because I'm actually pretty impressed with it. All right. Um, other than that, until I know that this isn't just going to be another book in which we spent a lot of time killing zombies, and another book in which we spent a lot of time looking at a naked girl for no reason, I, I don't think I'm on board. Okay. All right. Matthew, bring us around with some DC story stuff. This is another, if uh, Nancy and Hell is controversial, I'm sure Wonder Woman 601 is probably receiving the same controversy. This is J. Michael Straczynski with uh, the new Wonder Woman outfit, right? Yep. Um, Essentially, what happened in issue 600 is uh, Princess Diana uh, caught amnesia and was hit by Dr. Doofenshmirtz's Pantsinator machine. Ah, Wonder Woman, here's the Pantsinator. (laughs) Anator. You, Diana, the pretty. Ooh, pretty. <laughs> it was a good device, too. Um, <laughs> this issue, actually, actually, I don't know if you can be upset about it, because as many people have commented, it is a, a retcon, it's a continuity implant, but it's done in a way that's kind of interesting. We open the issue with the explanation of what happened to Paradise Island. Apparently, somehow, somebody went and screwed with the time frame to where Aphrodite removed her protection to the island of Themyscira. Themyscira, however one pronounces it, uh, I don't know, I'm not good with the Latin. And the uh, Amazons were mostly wiped out. Hmm. Hippolyta sent her daughter away to be saved, and her daughter has grown up and is now like an 18-year-old. We are not told who's behind it, but we see, you know, the person behind it, who is obviously male. Right. And he takes uh, possession of what is very clearly Wonder Woman's lasso of truth, I believe. And then we cut back to the beginning, and we see that there's one oracle living under a bridge. She wants gum. But it turns out she has gum, and I'm not sure what that's all about. The uniform actually doesn't look half bad in most of the scenes. It's it's interesting. It's, you know, it's visually, and I don't want to use the word stimulating, but it's visually interesting from all angles which I don't think her regular uniform would be. And she's, you know, hanging out under bridges and in slime balls and in, you know, devastated city settings. So it's kind of good to see her wearing clothes so she won't, you know, catch hepatitis or scurvy or whatever you get from rusty nails. (laughs) Scurvy. (laughs) And um, we find that there's apparently a DMA, Department of Metahuman Activities, uh, group trying to find her. By running around in an ice cream truck, I, I don't get that either. It may be Nemesis, it may not, I'm not sure. And she follows them back to uh, their home. And herein is where they they kind of throw me. She jumps onto an airplane and hangs on. A, an interesting bit of exposition where we see a younger Diana talking about how she can't fly. 
Hmm. And the, the oracles are like, we did not say you can fly, only that you could fly. And then another time you did fly. And one day you will fly, but today is not that time. So she's, she grabs a hold of this plane mm-hmm. that is flying away. And she has a dream about herself as Wonder Woman while hmm. on, no, on the tail of a plane. She falls asleep, takes a nap. Well, maybe it's a she long takes flight. takes a nap maybe on the tail. Of a, she's on the tail of a plane. She's on well, the outside of a plane, and she apparently falls asleep on the outside of the fuselage and does not fall to her inevitable doom. Well, like I've told my son many times, you know, flying isn't all it's cracked up to be, so it could mm. get pretty boring. Okay. And uh, we end the issue <laughs> with her finding a hidden cell of Amazons that is under siege by the United States military. And that's that's the big dun-dun-dun. It's not bad. I really do dig the art. Don Kramer is the artist, and he's doing really interesting things here. His expressions are phenomenal. There's a point where we see, like, a teenage Diana, 12 or 13 years old. It's clearly the same woman. Right. It's not like, here's a different character. Who, it's the same woman as a preteen. That I really appreciate. And, you know, after the Pansonator hit... The costume and her, you know, her body, her basic proportions mm-hmm. are the same. They don't change from page to page. So I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the last time Wonder Woman was running around in a black leather jacket, but Mike Deodato was handing the art and I mean, her breasts were going up and down like a horse drawers and every other page. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's well drawn. There's obviously, there's, there's a germ of something that could be great here. Straczynski is trying, I mean, it's a deconstruction, basically. He's trying to right, uh, right. So the basis of what's wonderful and awesome about Wonder Woman through the prism of this character who is and isn't Wonder Woman. And we're going to take away, you know, we're going to strip away everything we know about Wonder Woman. She doesn't have a lasso. She can't fly. She doesn't have all her power. She doesn't have, you know, the star-spangled swimwear. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have, you know, the Amazon rainforest or whatever they do. She doesn't have any of her regular backstory, but we're going to find the core of what's needed out there. So, yeah, it's good. Um, three out of five slices of meatloaf for this. Okay. Just, well, mostly because it's well-drawn. It's very well-crafted. I feel like it could go someplace really interesting. I'm mostly bothered by the euthanizing. Or, what's the word for making something younger? Euthanizing is not what I meant. <laughs> I don't think that's <laughs> what you meant. The de-aging process? The de-aging. Because she's, she's clearly 19 or 20-ish. And I've always pictured Wonder Woman of being, you know, a, a, a woman 40-ish. in her no, late 20s, early 30s. 29 is what they used to say about Superman. I'd say a 29-year-old Wonder Woman would be cool. But yeah, she falls asleep on the tail of the plane. And that's where they lost me. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know. We know that this is an altered altered reality, so... It's almost like, I don't know, the costume isn't really going to count in the end. It's not like this is a permanent costume change. Well, well and I don't think it was ever meant to be. No, I don't I think, think it was either. So, I don't know. It seems I like think this is really, It's. I think it was designed to be a costume for this story. Right. To If Wonder Woman were in her normal costume during this issue, wouldn't work. it would be extremely disconcerting. Yeah, it would be really, really creepy because she'd basically look like a stripper in post-nuclear Holocaust Detroit, 
And you'd wonder when RoboCop was going to come out or the little bald guy was going to tell him that we'd buy that for a dollar, you know? You're coming with me, creep. <laughs> and then Red Foreman would come up and you know, <laughs> have people killed. And just blurt out the F word left and right. Oh, you know, I love that first movie, RoboCop it's, movie. It's good. No, it's it's still, I think today it still stands up for the most oh, definitely. part. Robo, yeah. Ro- RoboCop gets five slices of meatloaf. Yes. Wonder Robo- the thing that I'm actually reviewing three. doesn't. Yes. All right, everyone, you can head over to Major Spoilers. We have a ton more reviews over there, including this unboxing that I did of the uh, the new Rocketeer oversized artist edition. Ooh. Did you order one for Daddy? Cow. Yes, I ordered one for myself. No. Uh, my dad got a pizza when he stopped by earlier. Ah. So, uh, you know, that's what he wanted. Sure. That's what he gets. I wish I had stopped by earlier, too. Oh, there's still leftover if you want. Nice. Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, awesome. this is the biggest book that I now have in the collection. Before that, it was Fanagraphics, uh, three volumes of Popeye that have been released. Mm-hmm. This thing is bigger than that, and I've got all the pictures over there. You open it up, it's just like you're looking at the original art pages, and you can see where things were cut out and pasted or um, whited <laughs> out. You can see aging and decoloring in the art, because it's a, essentially you're looking at a, a, a photograph of the original art, and it's nice. probably as close to the original art as most of us will ever get. And wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. That's over there as well. Plus reviews and news and so much more. A picture of Olivia Wilde. Yes, pictures of Olivia Wilde. Picture of Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are pretty excited about about that because all the proceeds for that book, for the Olivia Mm -hmm. Newton-John female force uh, book from Blue Water, I'm pretty sure all the proceeds go to breast cancer awareness. Hmm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Or let's see, uh, with a portion of the book's proceeds going to the Olivia Newton-John Cancer Center. Is that official? That's what it says. No, no, no. I mean, is the book an official? Uh, Yeah, because uh, weren't some of the female force ones not official? A lot of them are that way, where they're not official biographies. But this one actually was done by somebody close by her. I'd I'd have to go back and uh, close to her. So I'd have to go back and see. I don't know if it's authorized or not. A lot of these aren't. Mm-hmm. But hey, if the proceeds go to a good cause, I'm sure she's not too upset about it. Indeed. Let's see. The reviews are done. It is time to get to. It's time. We have finally decided to rename this segment. Pow! 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 Until, until, until Stan Lee comes and sues us. Pow! He can't sue us. His greetings, jerkwads. <laughs> His goes dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Ours goes dun 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 dun. It's entirely different. So last week we pitted uh, Scott Howard Teen Wolf against uh, that Teen Wolf Didn't from Scott Twilight. Scott Howard play Opie? No, you're thinking of Ron Howard. Oh my bad. Uh, this week we're continuing with the Wolf Madness and we are pitting Scott Howard against David Kessler from American Werewolf in London. Now, now David Kessler I know played Kane on Kung Fu. This is the interesting thing. A lot of people have not seen the original American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, and you they were saying that that see. was a a poor choice, right? People really need to see that film. Oh yes. Why? Um, I think it for me every movie that I've seen, every werewolf movie that I've seen is either almost as good or significantly worse than. American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it's a, like if you want to see humor in a horror movie, it does it really well. Right. If you want to see um, 
a good, good, really solid treatment of a horror movie monster. Mm-hmm. It does it fantastically. You know, yeah. the reason why the alien in Aliens is scary, or the alien in Alien is scary, is because you don't see him for most of the movie. Yeah, until the very the end. The reason why the werewolf is scary in uh, An American Werewolf in London is because you don't see him for most of the movie. Right. It's it's just a really, really well put together movie. And like all good werewolf movies, it's a tragedy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Matthew, why can you add anything else uh, to Rodrigo's claims of why everyone should watch American Werewolf in London? It was what? I think it's like 30 years old, and the makeup is still creepy as all get out. I, I, I think it may have been, and I could be talking on my butt, but I think it was Tom Savini who did the makeup on this. But there's a transformation sequence where David transforms into his wolf form on literally transforms on screen. Right. And it's not like, you know, I, I used to be a fan, uh, Channel 41 would play the old black and white movies, and they had the one where Larry Trainer, you know, he'd freeze, and then they would do that that thing where they would do the slow-mo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he would change, and then he would start moving. This happens moving and transforming, and literally you can see the horrifying, his, you know, his muscles moving and his bones enlarging and his face changing. It's just, oh my God. And this is 30 years ago. You know, the, the effects hold up really well, mm-hmm. and the story itself is really awesome. And I believe the actor played the uh, cool big brother from My Sister Sam. It was Rick Baker who did the original. Uh, Rick Baker, yeah, Tom really. Savini. They're actually the same guy. They changed their name for tax purposes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then that explains everything then. Uh, mm-hmm. And why then should people watch or be concerned about Teen Wolf? Anybody? Um, Teen Wolf. Awesome yeah. basketball. Awesome, <laughs> awesome Teen- basketball. You you gotta love Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf is one of those seminal '80s movies. Not seminal like Porky's. It's a different kind of seminal. But <laughs> the the Teen Teen Wolf is is a coming of age movie, and it's one of the great coming of age movies that's funny and scary and tragic all at once. And it's so dated, but it's dated to something that never happened. Right. The 80s that you see in Teen Wolf never actually existed. Yeah. It's it's kind of, you know, and, and another Michael J. Fox picture. It's like looking at uh, uh, Back to the Future. Do not badmouth Back to the Future. I'm not, but if you grew up in the 50s. And it also has the moment, and this is a, this is a story from my youth, uh, the drive-in in Beloit, Kansas, and I can't remember the name now, uh, was out on a dirt road west of town. And my friends and I used to go to this drive-in. And after seeing Teen Wolf, and I think it was several years after Teen Wolf was released, we saw it on like a double bill, we decided to go car surfing. Yeah, I think everybody did that. I might possibly have had a a beer. And you have to understand, when I was a teenager, I was, you know, I was smaller than now, but I was not small. So we're talking like 245 pounds on top of a 73 Buick. (laughs) Now, again, I might have had a beer. (laughs) <laughs> and my friend swerved and I kind of went off the top of the car. Wow. And at that point I thought I'm going to die because of Teen Wolf. <laughs> nice. But I might have had a couple dozen beers. So I landed in the dirt in the shoulder and slid for a bit on like the gravel and the dirt and I was like completely unhurt and I think it was because I might have had 14 beers. And I, I got up from this and I'm like, I am never going to go car surfing again. Damn you, Teen Wolf. 
And so next that, week's poll of the week will be Teen Wolf versus Matthew Peterson. Who wins? Yeah. And Actually, I think we should compare him against, let's see, what's his name? Uh, well, whoever wins should, should go up against, uh, against Lawrence Talbot from the yeah. new Wolfman movie. Oh, from the new Wolfman movie. Okay. Yeah. And then whoever wins that can go up against Lon Chaney Jr. Okay. Larry Talbot was the name of Lon Chaney Jr.'s character yep. yeah. in the original Wolfman film. Well, see, uh, Skrull Brian suggests that the winner of this wolf fight should go up against Airwolf. <laughs> so this week it's David Kessler versus Scott Howard Rodrigo Go um, I would have to go with David Kessler on this one okay, just because he is both a teen heartthrob and a killing machine wait I guess I was the Taylor guy and I didn't like him <laughs> hang on I need to think more about my answer pass Matthew I also had to go with David Kessler because um, when Marty McFly turned into Teen Wolf, basically they just glued hair to his palms. Yes. And my mom told me that would happen. But when David Kessler transforms into a wolf, and this is pre-CGI, mind you, he turns into this wolfy monstrous. And he will like leap up and rip out your throat and do a backflip and land and you'll be really impressed and then you're dead. Whereas Teen Wolf would be like, and tell you how you don't look like no grandma. So I had to go with David Kessler. Yep, and that's who I went with, too. I mean, that's just one scary wolf that is scarier than, you know, the the uh, Twilight Wolf. Yeah, because the Twilight Wolves are kind of superheroes, basically. Right, right. And this is just a rampaging monster. So I went with David Kessler, as did, it looks like, most of the rest of the people who voted in the poll. 71% of the 345 people who voted, or about 230-odd people, are voting with David Kessler. Um, Scott is not out of the showing, though. Scott's got a good 90-odd votes. I think 30% of 300 would be like 100-ish, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not like it, it's not like Wario versus Vin Diesel or something. You know, it's he's still in the game. I don't game, know. I, I don't. I don't know who would win in that one if the spoilerites were voting. <laughs> That's a good. Okay, the week after whoever fights the Teen Wolf finals, Wario versus Vin Diesel. <laughs> so uh, looks like a David Kessler will move on and fight uh, fight oh, uh, the Guillermo Benicio del Toro the Benicio uh, werewolf next week. Benicio del Toro, and who then will fight Oz? Yes. Yeah. And then Lon Chaney. And then And then Lon Chaney. And then he's a final boss. You gotta throw in Jack Russell. The yeah. werewolf by night. The and werewolf then Airwolf. I gotta find D D Brian's comment, because there was one more that he not D D Brian, scroll Brian's comment. Too many Brian's at the major spoilers. We're gonna have to cull the herd a little bit. Yep. You know um, what? From now on all the Brian's will be Slagathors and uh, Victoria will be Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to find out because he had some other good ones that he wanted to, uh, them to go up against. So, listeners, you can go over to Major Spoilers. You can cast your vote. Throw in your comments for who would win in that fight, David Kessler versus Scott Howard. We await your input. And while we're waiting, how about we take a listen to this uh, from one of our listeners talking about Avengers Forever. Hello, Stephen Rodrigo and Matthew. This is James, also known as Miter, on the website. Um, I'm just bit, not going to, I don't know how much I'm going to be different from the time already on the left side, but I figured I'd call it a voicemail because, hey, why not? Avengers Forever has always been a big favorite of mine. It really introduced me to the characters of the Avengers, which is funny because a lot of people say, when they talk about Avengers Forever, 
it's horrible if you've never read any Avengers comics because you'll have no idea what's going on. Well, I read it, and I really hadn't read any Avengers comics before that. I only had a cursory knowledge of the characters, and I loved it because it gave you an idea of such a rich history behind the characters. It had some fantastic characters in it. I really found the idea of the time-displaced Avengers to be a really fascinating one, and it really sticks in your head even to this day. Uh, the two versions of Hank Pym that appear in a story of fascinating watch and it definitely made him one of my favorite Marvel characters. Speaking of favorite Marvel characters, Hawkeye is one of my favorite Marvel characters. And Poshenko's work, uh, portrayal of Hawkeye here, the way he draws him, has always been my favorite depiction of the character visually. Uh, it's also the series that made Kang a huge favorite villain of mine. I think he is my favorite Marvel villain, but shortly after by Doctor Doom. And then backdrop the Leap Hour. Anyway, I uh, just want to say I love the, love the um, podcast. Uh, I love the series. And damn it, why is that Songbird and Avenger yet? All right, bye-bye. I want to thank you for that comment and for everyone who sends in their comments uh, to the Major Spoilers podcast. It's so great to have comments from listeners and questions from listeners and emails from listeners and feedback from listeners. We want to try to incorporate more of that in the coming weeks. And I think one of the reasons why uh, we don't normally get a lot of um Listener feedback in the show about our, our trade paper back of the week is because we're letting you know so late in the process. We're going to be fixing that. So keep watching the site. We will have uh, an update so you know probably well, well, well in advance what books are coming up in the show. This week, though, uh, we are talking about Avengers Forever. Rodrigo, Hello. Please, please tell us about Avengers Forever. Okay. Avengers Forever. Um is a story about a lovely lady. Yes. Who was bringing up three very lovely girls. Yes. Did all of them have hair of gold like their mother? Yes. <laughs> was the youngest one in curls? Wait. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. Avengers forever. That's right. Avengers forever <laughs> is a big Rock'em Sock'em Avengers story featuring lots of different Avengers from throughout time. Some made up, some from alternate realities, um, some from alternate timelines. It's kind of, um, it's a time-traveling book. It's a dimension-jumping book. Um, and it features kind of, the. I think really the, the, the pitch for the book, the thing that makes it a little bit more interesting than just whatever the Avengers are at the time jumping around is, these are all Avengers from very particular moments in Avenger history right. that are yes. not the most common iterations. Mm -hmm. So, it's, it, Or the it, most helpful ones. Right. Isn't it kind of uh, at the point where they're at their, I don't want to say their weakest, but I don't want to say corruptible either, but it's at the point where they're not at their... Well. Most they're not at their, they're at their they're least not, cooperative. Yeah, really. least about cooperative. half of them are BF crazy. Right. But, right. Um, Captain America comes from about 10 minutes after he watched a highly placed government official. And it, let's, let's call a shovel a shovel. It was Nixon. Mm -hmm. Shoot himself in the head as leader of the Secret Empire. Yellow jacket when he was crazy and didn't realize he was Hank Pym, but he's crazy and he's come to the Avengers. Hawkeye, right after he lost his good powers in the Kree-Skrull War. Yep. Uh, Wasp and Giant Man from the regular continuity. 
a Captain Marvel from the future. And right. Songbird, I don't know when Songbird is from. Is she from she's, like the far she's from, No, she's from the same future as Captain Marvel. Okay. Um, but I think she's course, like further in the future. Yeah, but of course, Songbird, uh, from judging from coming, I don't know. I haven't been keeping track of the Avengers, but she's actually not ever not, hasn't been an Avenger yet. She's actually a right. Thunderbolt. So she's right. what was she Moonstone or well, no, she was screaming Mimi. She was screaming Mimi, and then she was Songbird when she was in the Thunderbolts. Right. And, so, this and is that's the villainous. reason why I couldn't finish this series. Wow. <laughs> you know what? Just be if this had been Batman from like uh, the point where Neil Adams had him running around shirtless in Rachel Ghoul's basement and Ray Palmer from 10 minutes after his contact lens fell out, you know, you'd be on board. No, actually I wouldn't. See, there's a thing and this is the the problem and and I'm going to put this into a DC universe as we talk about this. Sure. The problem is I like the concept of Justice League of America, providing it's a Justice League of America of characters that I understand and can identify with. So there's your Green Lantern, your Flash, your Wonder Woman, your Batman, your Superman. Now, just Martian Manhunter, maybe, maybe your. Do you care who, like which Flash, which Green Lantern, and so on and so forth? Yeah, you know, I I, depends. You know, I could go back and forth on uh, on. um, what's his name from Hal just Jordan. Hal Jordan or the uh, the other guy? Um, I could go back and forth on those. I like my Wally West as opposed to my Barry Allen, mm-hmm. uh, but you know it's gonna kind of go that way. Okay. The 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 idea is when you throw those group together, it's Batman, it's Superman, it's Wonder Woman. You know their basic general ideas, right? You mm-hmm. kind of know what they are and who they are. When you throw in Zatanna and um, uh. The Red Arrow and who else? What's the other wacky crew that they had? Gorilla, Gorilla Man, and Congorilla. Congorilla. For a while, the team was like Plastic Man, Doctor Light, Vixen, Firestorm. Exactly. Who cares, really? I mean, I I know you do, but to a to a to a point where you're trying to attract somebody into this, and you're like Justice League of America. Oh yes, I've seen JLU on television. Oh, all these characters. Wait a minute, a gorilla and a Supergirl and a girl that changes powers and what? No, thank you. That's kind of what happens here. Mm-hmm. I know who Captain America is, and I know his general concept and his in his idea. I know who Wasp is, and I know who Ant-Man is, and I know who more or less Rick Jones is. But in this case, we are cramming versions of these characters into the book that unless you are familiar with Nixon blowing his head off, and unless you're familiar mm. with Hank Pym going wacky in the wiki-woo, unless you're familiar with how Ant-Man became Giant-Man, or mm. that Hawkeye lost his powers in the Kree scroll Or that he even had powers. Or that he even had with. powers. A lot of this is going to be totally over your head, because mm. there's an issue where, um, what's her name, Wasp, attempts to explain where everybody's coming from, but they don't really go into a lot of detail. So I can mm. appreciate that. But you're cramming so much into the throats of people who Avengers, oh, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, you know, Hulk, uh, you know, Spider-Man more or less. And then you give them this different group of people. And it's very hard, in my opinion, to try to follow that, which is Mm -hmm. why we see the Justice League of America changing their roster so often because people aren't satisfied with these, forgive the expression, D-list heroes. Uh, trying mm. to be A-list heroes, mm. and it doesn't work, and so they have to change the team out, and then they change the team out, and then they change the team out, and then they bring back the original seven, and everyone's like, hey, this is the book I like. Sales soar, then it drops off when they decide to change the team again. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's what I had a problem with in this whole book. Now, that being said, 
there are some really great things about this team mm-hmm. in the fact that Rodrigo, build me your favorite Justice League team. Build it of your favorite characters that you ever would. Or build me your favorite Avengers team that you ever would. And just go crazy. It's Mm -hmm. up to you, right? Right. So ultimately, we're looking at the greatest fan fiction ever conceived in Avengers Forever. In the fact that uh, Kurt Busiek is said... It's right. Is that right? Uh, Who did this? Okay, so Busiek Busiek has basically said, hey, I want to essentially gather my favorite... Avengers. Now, I don't know if they're his favorites or, or not. Or just ones that he thought would be really interesting yeah, to yeah, write. Yeah. Right. Interesting. And, and put Avengers. them together into this story and tell a, you know, time-spanning, universe-spanning story. Mm-hmm. And for that, man, you've got to give a lot of credit to this book just for that and the fact that you've created these characters that you have a passion about and that you want to tell a story about. That's what I think is really good. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I have, again, zero knowledge about the minutia of these characters right i think detracts it from me now as we heard just a minute ago that's not the case with some people who this was their first experience with the avengers and really got a kick out of it Mm -hmm. this is not a neophyte's place to jump into. no it certainly isn't i mean because the the very nature of this avengers team actually has two of the same guy on it yeah Right. Giant Man and right. Yellow Jacket are the same right. guy. And the Captain Marvel in this book was not the Captain Marvel that most people, you know, expect. That Captain Marvel at the time this book came out wasn't yet Captain Marvel. He didn't become Captain Marvel until chronologically after the series came out. This book did several things in Avengers history. Mm-hmm. And it, it did some things and it explained it's, it, it's old school Marvel in that it explained strange little things that happened in various stories. Now, one of the good things that it did was the agents of Atlas had always been an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. This series mainstreamed those characters right. into the Marvel. Universe. Right. It went back and it explained the story where Thor transported a whole planet into limbo. It explained appearances of a, a Immortus and Kang. It finally explained the whole, how can the vision be built from the body of the dead human torch? If the dead human torch's body isn't dead. Mm-hmm. It did all sorts of little things. So this is this is Avengers 305. This is a master level Avengers course. And if you go into it, I don't Okay, I'm going to be honest here. I can never be the guy who says this is what it would be like going into a book and not knowing every iota of weird universal schmageggery because I have since 1984 been the guy who seeks this stuff out. Right. Mm-hmm. But well, but see, you've imagining- read those books since 1984, so you've gone through a majority of these <laughs> events and know these kinds of things. You know, uh, you've by- asked me You've asked me before, well, how mm-hmm. can you enjoy 52 so much when it was kind of doing the same thing, pulling all of these D-list, C-list characters and forcing them to the forefront? Well, that may be true, but in 52, they didn't expect you to know the history, the minutia history of what's making these characters tick at that moment in time. You're just presented with somebody who may or may not be Apache chief, somebody who may or may not be this person and so on, and telling mm-hmm. their story. Here, you really kind of need to understand what Captain America witnessed, which they don't really tell you. Uh, well, they do. They explain it. Uh, to the point, why is he— The Wasp actually says on panel, oh my god, this happened in your in, in your recent history, and he's like— I'm not speaking of this. Right. But we don't know that it was, was Nixon, do we? Because if it's the panel that I'm, well, I'm thinking of, then, all we see is the Oval well, because, Office and someone shot. Well, because could have been Reagan, could have been Carter. 
in the book it's not actual. Well, but it, but does that right. matter? Is it even the president? And there are it's, three it's, reasons why we don't hear it say Nixon. First, right, right. Really the Marvel dated. Universe has gone a long way since 1974 yeah. when this right. happened. Second, right, right, right. they never said Nixon. Right. But it was clearly Nixon. And third, and most importantly, you can't just say uh, <laughs> Captain America watched Nixon shoot himself in the head. You have to. I mean, you get, literally Marvel probably cannot say that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but right. it, the the implication of the original Captain America story from way back in the day, at this point in time, Captain America is at his lowest. Mm-hmm. He's disillusioned about America. He's about to become nomad. Right. He still has superhuman strength. This is Cap from a point where Cap can't be Cap. Right. Cap was, you know, Cap is the warlord, to use the D&D term, who rallies everyone around him. Mm-hmm. No, this I, takes you know, I appreciate, out of that role. I appreciate, you know, all of that. You know, in the fact that, hey, I'm taking these characters that I like and I want to write about and tell a, a cool story about, I can appreciate mm-hmm. that from mm-hmm. that standpoint. So essentially, we've got Immortus and Kang the Conqueror, who are the same person, right. but at different points in their timeline. Correct. And I'm still trying to, to figure out, you know, which one is the benevolent one and which one is still the power-hungry one. Or are they both power-hungry, but one is less? I they're They're both, they're both power-hungry. It's just their methods differ. Okay. And that's that's what they hate about each other. One of them's a badass warlord who goes around conquering time, and the other one's a, hmm, kind of scholar yeah, yeah, yeah. who runs around and documents and does kind of fiddle with time, right. but in a very kind of backhanded, right. I'm going to set events in motion to do what I want I, kind I, of thing. Um What's the character of the new gods that does that, Matthew? Um, Metron. Metron, who rides around in the Mobius chair. That's who I kind of equated that with. Mm-hmm. So essentially, Immortus believes that he needs to kill Rick Jones to prevent something from happening. What's right. what's going on? Tell us the story. Well, the human race is very important, of course, um, because well, the because the human race part of the human race lives in New York, <laughs> and we know that New York is the most <laughs> important the, place in it, the universe. It's the center of the universe. Um, no. Um, the human race is destined to eventually come into its own and essentially obliterate the universe because mm-hmm. they can tap into the destiny force or wait, is it? Destiny force? Um, which is this kind of uh, general bad attitude that humans can have, which I think means that when they spend their action points, they get a plus three <laughs> to their next attack. <laughs> they only um, get one action point that they can use or? Yes. Okay. Um, so the uh um Immortus figures, oh no, Rick Jones is basically where this all starts. He's the first human to ever manifest the destiny force. Right. If I stop that from happening, then this future in which the the fascist Avengers are taking over the universe will never happen. Yes. Um meanwhile the uh Cree Overmind or what is it called? world mind uh the supreme no. intelligence the supreme intelligence yeah the world mind is nova's guy yeah um the supreme intelligence is meanwhile in his tube going and that's exactly how he talks i am the supreme intelligence i have come to take over your path i see no intellectual need to assist you why does he sound like gabby hayes when you it's gold over there 
So what? Something they have to travel through. You know, uh, Rick Jones summons these heroes from across time and space right, from his to, memory to protect them. Yes, yeah. and it's it's pretty epic little battle that's going on there. Mm-hmm. Even though the Avengers yeah. are thrown right in the middle of it, they're still willing to jump in and fight all of these crazy uh, uh, armies from different time periods. Mm-hmm. But then it's revealed that you know it's kind of revealed of what's going on. Um, but they have to go travel through time. They have to split up in teams. And travel through time looking for what? The Forever Crystal? Is that what they're looking for? The Forever Crystal allows you to control alternate realities, and that's what they want. Mm -hmm. Kang and Immortus, I think, are both lying to them. But Kang and Immortus are in on different sides. Also important, Kang and Immortus are the same guy. Right. Yep. This would be like 19-year-old Steven that I knew in college trying to get me to help him take down the evil of, you know, 2010 bald Steven and me having to pick a side and turning out that, you know, younger me came along too. You know, it, it, as far as the time travel stories go, that to me is the part that should be the hardest to deal with. And yet it's like the simplest thing in the book, your <laughs> villain and your villain and your, your, your Ben Kenobi are the same guy. Right. Yep. Right. So that's kind of cool. And stuff. and the whole the whole book is and this is this is something that's interesting but also somewhat confusing. The Avengers are like the Avengers for most of the book don't know what's going on. Right. They don't know exactly what's going on. And right. neither do you since you're following along with them. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like, oh, well, I guess we should throw in align ourselves with Kang because Kang's gonna help us not kill Rick. Do 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 do. We're yeah. Kang's friends. We're Kang's friends. Oh wait. Something has turned up that makes Immortus seem like he is the good guy. Now we're Immortus friends. Now we're Immortus. Oh no, Kang was actually right. Like they just keep like yeah, going yeah. back and forward, yeah. and they're just totally confused the whole time. Now I am yeah. uh, at one point we get a heel turn in Wasp, right, where he was following Yellow uh, Jacket. Yeah, I'm sorry, Yellow Jacket, where he was following um, everybody, and then suddenly he turns on his team and turns them over to Kang, right? Yes. And it, it seemed like a very obvious, if someone was going to turn on the team, it would be him. Mm-hmm. Um, is that important into the story? It's really not, because it, it's, it's kind of a swerve turn. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's almost a fake heel turn in that we're expecting crazy-ass Yellow Jacket to do something that will cost everyone in you know, the universe. It's, this is about the time that crap on Yellow Jacket started coming back into favor at Marvel. And then once we, once we get away from that initial heel turn, it actually turns out that as with everything, it's not exactly what it seems. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, we got that going for us, which is nice. At, you know, at the end when, when everything's unfolding and, and you realize that there was a, a grand design to everything and as to why each of these Avengers was picked, they say that if not for yellow jacket, leaving and then coming back and capturing all the Avengers and enough for at the same time that Rick was like, well, screw you guys. I'm going to figure this out on my own. Right. Um, then everything would have gotten screwed up. Like, oh, okay. The fact that the so Avengers were captured. To... And the, yeah. Basically, as you go through the book, you start, they start hinting first slightly, then broadly. And then they outright tell you that everything that's happening is meant to happen for the best outcome. And that is yep. why Captain Marvel, from the very beginning, because he's completely aware of everything that's going to be happening, right. is like, ah, 
Not the whole time is like, oh, come on, not this again. And then blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, I'm going to do something to change this. Rick, you're the stupidest stupid that ever did stupid. Whatever you do, do not leave. And of course, he's like, he just called me stupid. I'm going to leave. Right. Right, right, right. By the way, that's how Rick Jones talks in my head. <laughs> in your head. Hi, I'm Rick Jones. I'm Rick Jones. <laughs> Get out of my way. Is that well, how everyone talks in you your know, head? The- hey, Hulk, how's it going? Hulk doing pretty good, Rick. <laughs> Well, what the the Captain Marvel is is interesting because um, this is not Marvel. I'm sorry, Captain Marvel. This is Marvel's son, Genus Vel. It's Captain oh, okay. Marvel. Okay, so Captain Marvel. What's interesting is that he's aware of these events happening. Yet in one of the very first stories where they go back in time to like what is it, the 50s or the 60s or whenever it is, yep. he's like, "What's going on in this strange time? I'm not familiar with yep. what you're talking about." And so the other problem too is that Captain Marvel. Out of costume, looks a heck of a lot like Steve Rogers out of costume. Who so looks until, a lot like Hank Pym out of costume. Yes. Who looks a lot, who like, looks Clint a lot like Clint Barton out of costume. <laughs> yes. And so that added just the another... The master race is alive and well and forming the core of the Avengers. <laughs> yep. The so boys that, from Brazil, they work at Marvel. That just threw another layer of confusion onto a story because I really expected the uh, 50s or 60s story moment to actually be Steve Rogers, because to me, that's where he most uh, most belongs mm-hmm. in that time story. So it's, uh, you, you're right, Matthew, this is a level 305 class that a uh, freshman should not be taking. It's the Avengers Absolutely. weed you out even, class. You definitely do not want to even, you don't even want to try and audit this thing. <laughs> you you got to have that basic Avengers. And even if you don't know that, though i feel like this story could work for you mm-hmm. as long as you're willing to be you know to be dragged along and not under you know not understand the relevance or not need to understand the relevance of say hey look why is that gorilla and the goddess and the robot over there oh okay they were part of inst- oh they're gone now okay yeah you know I, I can imagine that reading this book and seeing all these characters and just looking and going hey that's really cool that gorilla has guns mm-hmm you know, just reading through it and not you're not worrying like, about oh, whether... I think well, I read I mean, something about this on Wikipedia. Awesome. <laughs> well, there are some moments when they go back in time and they meet up with, like... Um, uh, who do they go back in time and they meet up with? They meet with, like, the Ringo kid and the Rawhide kid. And Rawhide right. kid and the Outlaw and kid, kid and, and the Gunhawks. You know, that, to me, the minute that they split into teams and started traveling back through time, I was like, oh, well, this is kind of neat. Yeah, that, is, that is probably the most interesting part of the because book. Because it's very much like Crisis on uh, Infinite Earths. Gotcha. Where they all split up and go back in time and, you know, Batman's fighting alongside Jonah Hex or whatever, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So it kind of had that kind of a vibe. And I think if people do like, if they've not read this book before and they've read uh, Infinite Crisis, they might like this book in that sense because it kind of gives off that same vibe one of the weird things that um is kind of a plus and also kind of a con is is the writing Uh, i know this was broken up into 12 issues that spanned an entire year and that you do have to spend a little bit of time and something marvel is really good at spending a little bit of time at the beginning of each issue recapping what happened the issue before yep so that's very good i think kurt Busick is a very good writer especially when it comes to uh, dialogue back and forth with other characters. Mm-hmm. The thing that seemed really, really weird to me was all the narration. Yes. Felt very 1970s it, Stan yes. Lee. Let's pack as much information as we can into the, to the narrator box and make your head spin. Definitely. And I can sort of understand it here because 
things can be very confusing. Right, but it, right. I, I think that originally that impulse was, you know, let's make sure that everybody's on board. And eventually, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you read a lot of narration, it became, we don't actually trust our readers to keep, like, that's, yes. especially as you get more people being more and more into comments, it starts to feel like, well, these guys aren't going to be able to keep track of this. So let's just tell them again. And granted, every issue is somebody's first issue. But if uh, Avengers Forever number three is your first issue, you're probably not going to like comics. Right. Right, um, right, right, right. So <laughs> you, you would think that if <laughs> you... So cruel. I know, I'm sorry. Um, but you would think that if somebody has already taken the plunge into Avengers Forever, that they would just trust you yeah. and say, okay, now this crazy thing is happening. Now, there are things like Captain Marvel's um, cosmic awareness that they explain a lot. Right. But the reason why they explain it a lot is they have to keep explaining why it's not working. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a higher level problem than say superman's x-ray vision right like why doesn't superman is why isn't superman constantly using his x-ray vision right to figure out what's going on right like there are three or four times in this book or maybe 10 i don't remember <laughs> in which they have to come up with a reason as why his cosmic avenger uh, cosmic uh, awareness. awareness isn't working uh-huh because otherwise he would just immediately be able to figure out exactly, yeah, exactly what's, what's going happening. on yeah and i can un- i can understand and appreciate that i think it's a lot of it is the reason why I just had to stop reading this. The book is very dense, not yes. uh, dense. And as far as uh, everything, the story idea and the concept, the characters, the dialogue, the art, everything is just dense, dense, dense. There's so many different layers that you have to peel through. I think mm. in this book, which again is a pro and a con it's enjoyable, mm. but it's not something that you can really sit down in three or four hours and try to read all the way through. It's kind of like my first experience with Watchmen. I had to read that over the span of a month. And then after I was done with it, I waited a couple of weeks and then went back and reread it all again with a better understanding of what was going on. And I could look at those things a little differently. So I think in this case, that may be uh, what's happening with me now with this book, uh, where I need a, I need another month to go through this book, Rodrigo, and then I'll probably appreciate it more. Gotcha. You know, Larry King said, Chicago, go ahead. No, Larry King says, I love this story. Busick incorporates all the elements that I love about the Avengers. The way he handles the characters has not been seen in a long time. You can really tell he has a love for them. I had vague knowledge about the Nixon era cap and Kurt's depiction of the broken, disillusioned soldier out of time is a great treat. The line work by Pacheco is amazing. Without him, I don't know if the whole package would have been as great as it was, like in Chapter 10 where he depicts the Guardians of the Galaxy. Overall, this comic was fun without delving into the grim side of things. Busick knows how to mine the best parts of the comic book history and Avengers Forever shows how well uh, he does it. To borrow a rating system, I give this five out of five slices of meatloaf. And then Nick uh, follows up with, and it has the Agents of Atlas in it. So Matthew has that going for him, which is nice. (laughs) Yep. Pacheco's art is pretty spectacular. It is. Oh, man. I I could just look at this book just for the art alone. It's it's kind of funny because basically the two artists that actually got me reading Marvel Comics were Joe Madureira Mm -hmm. and Carlos Pacheco. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that their art styles are very similar. But they there's something about Yeah, definitely. But there's something about Pacheco's art and really it's it's how dynamic all of the characters are at all times. Right. Like they're yes. never just they never just have blank faces on. They're always like grr or ooh or ah or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like or that. You know, something exactly. Something's always going on on the panel. It's dynamic. It makes you want to get to the next panel mm-hmm. to see what crazy phase Yellow Jacket is making. Right. When 
when issue 12 came out, it was during my initial run at Gatekeeper Hobbies back in the way back in the late 90s. And I remember literally having the issue 12 books because I worked Wednesday morning when the books came in. The issue 12 books hit the stands and I spent that whole day just looking at that battle. Because mm-hmm. the closing, the closing battle, and I'm going to spoiler it for you. Well, all of the you evil Avengers teams, you know, that they're trying to stop those evil Avengers from the future, right? Sweep down to destroy them, and to save the day, they gather all the alternate universe good Avengers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can go through that. You can go through that panel by panel and go, and that's Captain America from here, and this is Tigra from the Avengers animated series, and that's the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I don't know who that is. I better go to the wiki! But there wasn't a wiki, because it was 1999! <laughs> so you had to go to the Marvel uh, Encyclopedia? No, I actually went to my collection, because I'm just that <laughs> damn awesome. But I literally sat there that whole workday, just reading and rereading and reading and just in completely digesting that final battle because it's so epic and it's epic in ways that very few other comics actually get to in that there's nothing there that's accidental everybody that you see all those characters are designed to go hey it's that guy from that story are you reading emails again matthew no, actually, uh, there was some cheese on my desk. Oh, okay. All right. But I neither you were here diving into the major spoilers mailbag to read another comment from one of our uh, from one of our listeners. I certainly can. Would you like me to? Sure, please. I'm going to read a comment from Majilder. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! I'm going to read it now in the style <laughs> of Steve Allen and his dramatic music recreations. I'm going to read it in my my Sean Connery impersonation. <laughs> this series is my favorite comic of all time, followed closely by DC: The New Frontier. This was the story that truly made me an Avengers fan. I'm starting to get into Scrooge McDuck there. <laughs> I love the very involved continuity of the team with its contradictions and complicated relationships. Shortly after this, I subscribed to the regular title, which was Busek and Perez. Perez, because I am Ramirez. (laughs) Which only cemented. He was hella Spanish. (laughs) Wasn't he, though? (laughs) Yeah. He was also, he was very Russian in The Hunt for Red October. But in any case, uh, Pacheco's work is indeed beautiful. And now I'm Seamus from Family Guy. With him drawing probably my favorite version of Hawkeye. And Hawkeye's costume in this is phenomenal. It's a shame they don't do comics like this anymore, especially considering how little time has passed. It's a 12-year-old book now, guys. I'm still waiting for Songbird to be a damned Avenger. He also had a follow-up, by the way, too, if you want to go. By the way, I also felt it would be cool if Marvel did another Doctor Who series if the eighth Doctor took a young Kang as his companion. (laughs) And (laughs) Alrighty then. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, he does uh, quantify it by saying, hey, put some kind of a, an inhibitor collar on him and then let it be one of the doctor's greatest failures. You know what yeah. really, really annoyed me about the ending to this book? What, that everything was basically I was, status quo? Nah, not even that. Um, I figured that's what was going to happen. Right. I as, as this book goes on and there's so much treatment of Kang Immortus, Kang mm-hmm. Immortus, mm-hmm. I thought that this book was going to be the moment in which Kang becomes Immortus. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would have been cool. Fight him for the yet, whole series, and then at the end, he he matures I, into him. Exactly. And yet, we were kind of annoyingly cheated out of that. There's basically an out now. Kang can continue being Kang forever because they just split the two of them up. And now, this is the moment in which Kang becomes Immortus, but really, it's the moment in which Kang 
undergoes mitosis and one of him becomes immortal. It's it's the point where uh, Kirk crosses over into Mirror Mirror and becomes the evil Kirk and the good Kirk at the same time. Or what was the episode where he goes to the transporter beam and gets split? It's where the hand gets to... It's where the hand becomes the another doctor, yes. a half human one that then gets to be forever boyfriends with Rose. Right, that's Martin, exactly what it is. Martin Gray says everyone's correct. This was a terrific series. All in all, it's Marvel storytelling at its best. He is correct. Can we talk for a second about Super Future Rick Jones? Sure, Super Future Rick Jones. And and why is he wearing a Superman cape? Capes are cool. No, sadly. I believe that's he's Thor's wearing cape. Superman's cape. No, look at it. That cape <laughs> has a Superman symbol on it. Wow, does it? Hang on. Did Pacheco draw Superman is, before this or is, after this? This is me getting far enough into the book where it's like I stopped reading at this point, but flipped through the pretty colors. Well, yeah, that's pretty cool. That Show is, me the image that you're looking at there, Steve. Do, 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 do. Sorry. So this is Rick Jones, future Rick Jones' first appearance. Captain Marvel goes, ha, shazam, and goes back to his uh, schmuck self um, and becomes Rick Jones from the future, who is missing an arm, has mm-hmm. so he has his other nega band tied to his right. belt, and is and he's wearing, wearing the Superman's boots. But he's wearing the Falcon's boots and Ghost Rider's jacket and the Eye of Agamotto. Mm-hmm. I think the joke is that he's traveled throughout time and space and... God. Gathered well, maybe, all these things. Maybe he traveled to the Superman verse. Maybe he did. Possible. Remember, subtle... Marvel versus DC was only five years before this. Oh, there you go. I just thought it was really weird. There's like, especially on Marvel side. Well, mm-hmm. I guess it do, they, they do it a lot, but they like to take little pot shots. You know, just kind of like throw right, away right. little little things and Almost. that really seemed like one to me is like and also at some point i beat up superman and stole his cape <laughs> <laughs> just don't tug on it yep well you know and i can you know i you know as i said early on i couldn't finish reading the series because it was so deep uh as far as all these different layers it's still i think very good mm-hmm. from the art standpoint from the story t- story storytelling standpoint but if, I, I really believe that if you don't know the characters you're going to have a tough time of this now that being said in like three or four weeks, three weeks, two weeks, I'm sorry, two weeks from now, we'll be talking about Days of Future Past, mm-hmm. right? And that's got X-Men left and right. Yep. And again, I had no problem jumping into the Dark Phoenix saga, although there were some moments that you had to question things. I have a feeling I'm going to kind of be the same way when we get to Days of Future Past. It's a time travel story. It's got some trippy stuff going on. It's an X-Men story, but I know a little bit more about the X-Men than I do these guys. Yep. Here. So, you know, I might uh, be thinking that Days of Future Past is is very cool. Mm-hmm. So, Matthew, wrap this up for us. Tell us uh, your final thoughts about this and whether people should pick it up or not pick it up. If you are willing to have a moment where you don't necessarily understand what's going on in the cosmic story, where you can read the issue and enjoy the issue and not have to break down and tear each individual panel apart, or if you know where the online annotations are, mm-hmm. this is a great series. If you're an Avengers fan, this is an excellent series. If you're looking for a way into Marvel, this may not be the best way to do it, but it's really well written. It's really really well drawn. It's not something you want to just leap into and go, this will tell me what I need to know about the Avengers. Yes. 
This will not tell you what you need to know about the Avengers. But if you know a little bit about the Avengers, you will probably find at least two moments where you go, hey, it's that guy. Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend it. I would say buy it if you're a Marvel or Avengers fan. Otherwise, check it out from the library and go, ooh, I should learn about these people. Yeah. I say that this is a good read. May not. It's probably not for everyone. I say check it out from your library and make sure that you get the extended checkout period of about a month so you can read it multiple times. Um, I think that at its worst, Avengers Forever is kind of lame retconny fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But at its best is a, what, 12-issue-long, badass ridiculous cosmic fight yeah and that's just cool. from beginning yeah, yeah. to end just bam 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 it's like the longest most amazing action scene involving superheroes um so i would say if you want to see that pick it up if you're annoyed by and and here's the thing it is retconny but part of the the thing is that it spends a lot of time setting up its retcons so it's not even like a a dirty retcon it's like a very well thought out um, possibly too well thought out retcon. So mm-hmm. if you like the fighty fighty, if you want to see some cool Avengers, and if you actually want to go through and say, hey, that's probably American Dream, who wasn't conceived of until much later, um, pick it up. I, I really, if you do pick up the hardbound volume that uh, that we have here, do read the introduction because mm. it gives you a fascinating look into what they really wanted to do with Avengers Forever and then what they had to do with Avengers Forever. And I just, I read that and I was like, wow, that's some very cool inside baseball kind of stuff that you yeah. don't normally see uh, discussed in in comics. So I think that little history is is very, very good. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, we're going to go back into, uh, kind of ties back into something we talked about early in, earlier in the show. We're going to be looking at Frank Miller's Batman Year One. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you next time. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers, and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast 
being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler! Whoa, 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 whoa! What a major spoiler! Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2010.